welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, as we continue to see things unfold in Ukraine, not only are we seeing a war raging as Russia has invaded Ukraine, as cities are being bombed, and and even last week we watched uh, the Russian military uh, send a bomb into a theater in Mariupol, which clearly was marked with civilians, where even in Russian around, uh, it, it was said that there were children and then there were civilians in in that theater and they bombed that theater. Uh, we're seeing not just the warfare of just warfare, of civil warfare that, that maybe we've seen in the past and in other invasions, but we're really starting to see uh, criminal activity as one nation is not just waging war on another nation, but they're actually attacking their civilians. They're they're attacking the most innocent. We've we've seen uh, how bombs have hit maternity wards of hospitals, and moms and babies have have lost their lives. We're seeing the effects of the atrocity of war, but even the atrocity of war when brought by uh, evil people meant for evil purposes. This is not a disagreement. Uh, this is a totalitarian regime trying to to destroy a sovereign nation. And even as adults, as we watch these things, it's it's hard to process it. It's it's hard to look at what's going on. And it's 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 at times even disheartening to say, OK, Lord, where are you in this and how are you working in this and how are you going to bring about your purpose through this in the midst of anything that's going on? It's always hard to see the grand purpose, the, the bigger purpose of what the Lord is doing. And that's for us as adults that have uh, many years of, of history that that have a history of even seeing how the Lord ends up showing himself sovereign at the end of it and how you see his hand working even in uh, and amidst adversity. But the question becomes, how do we talk to our kids about these things? How do we lead them through these things? And how do we help them continue to have a view that, that God is in control, that God is good, that God is sovereign as they watch these images unfold on their TV? But even bigger than that, what, what we want to discuss is not just how do we talk to our kids, especially those maybe who, who, who are from Russia or from Ukraine and were adopted into our homes, but how do we talk to all of our children about the, the, the rumors of war that they're hearing now about how this conflict could easily spread past Ukraine and enter into what many are calling World War III. So how do we help our kids navigate that? When, when they don't just look at the TV and see war over there, but now the fear starts to creep in their heart about war in their neighborhood or in their city or in our country. And so we're grateful to get to hear Dr. Rick today even process through how he and, and Denise have helped their children who all three were born in Ukraine, be able to process some of these things. And, and certainly uh, there's, there's no foolproof solution that Dr. Rick is going to bring, but but certainly I think uh, nuggets of wisdom. And then we just want to talk in general about how do we help our children walk through this with war. Before we bring on Dr. Rick, I want to remind you about parent coaching and what an apt promo to be talking about at a time when we're saying, hey, 
Let's let's help our kids process what's going on uh, in Ukraine. Let's help our kids process what's happening in the world. Let's help our kids process what's happening at school or in our family. Parent coaching is a service that's available for any parent who just needs additional insight into their child's behavior. It's tailored to each family and to each child. And these are 45 to 60 minute sessions filled with proven tools and techniques to use in building additional strengths in parenting. And so you can share show notes or go to lifelinechild.org parent-coaching. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash parent-coaching for more information and be connected with a Lifeline staff member. Uh, I will tell you this, if you or your family need a little augmentation, a little help, uh, th that you just need to talk to someone who understands and can help give you some tools, parent coaching is a great way to get that started. Well, so grateful to be, as always, uh, joined by the venerable Dr. Rick, uh, who brings so much wisdom to this. And uh, Dr. Rick is also uh, living up to, to one of his nicknames that was one of the first nicknames he has, which we, uh, we've always called him Big Shot. Maybe not as much on the podcast, but certainly around the halls of Lifeline, we call Dr. Rick our resident Big Shot. Uh, he's the one that usually signs the autographs. He's the one that gets the, uh, the, the shows. He's the one that gets the, the publicity. And, and recently, maybe you've seen Dr. Rick on CBS or, or heard him on your favorite podcast or, or seen him on Newsmax or other media outlets. And uh, a lot of people are coming to Dr. Rick because of his wealth of experience in Ukraine, uh, the, the number of times he's taught in seminaries and, 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 and worked with the Ukrainian church. And so, Dr. Rick, I know even for you, and, and as we talked about in the intro, watching the war unfold on our televisions, you and I've dealt with this personally. It's hard because as we've talked about, and we've even talked about on podcast this month, these are not just city names in, um, you know, a Slavic language that are coming across the television. But when we see, you know, Kharkiv or Mariupol or Odessa or Kiev or Chernitsky or Zaporizhia, we're thinking about the people, the churches, the pastors, the relationships that we have in those cities. It's tough for us but we know it's also tough for our children. Yeah, my brother, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, uh, first of all, I would just say, I feel like anything but an expert right now. Um, I, I just, I feel like a fellow struggler in the midst of what's just a really, really awful, challenging circumstance. And, and I think, um, you know, even, even to begin this conversation, as we start to talk about talking with her kids, I think you started it in the right place. Um, thinking about ourselves, because I, I'll just be honest, and I know this has become a buzzword a bit in our culture. Um, but I know personally, like I'm triggered <laughs> by the things that are happening when, when you're when you're seeing a steady diet on the news of places that you've been and places that are associated with people that you love, that are that are being blown to bits and and are are, are being terrorized it, it there's no way to not um have a just a deep emotional reaction uh, i i think you know you, i i personally you know i told you the 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 day that the conflict broke out and watching the the pictures that were being shown around kiev um there was this deep thing and, and it was really the realization of going, 
you know, I, I might not ever be able to be back in that place, back with those people that I love desperately again. And, and so, you know, knowing that for us, it causes that sort of, you know, depth of reaction. I mean, I, I think we, we have to expect that it's going to cause, you know, reactions in, in the lives of our kids. And, and our situation is, is probably like a lot of people that, um, this is our place. This is our part of the world. But I think in, in, in any of our kids that have, that have come home through adoption, particularly that have come home through, through international adoption, this has the potential to, to dredge up a lot of, a lot of feelings, a lot of insecurity, a lot of, a lot of questions about, about things. And, and, and I think that the biggest thing that I would say that we've seen in the lives of our kids, we've seen some some pretty profound regression in some places and some things that we thought, you know, maybe we had put to bed and, and were, you know, past, we, we've been kind of reminded that that's, that's a little bit of an illusion that, um, that the effects of trauma, you know, still kind of stay there and they're, they're maybe not as far below the surface as we thought, but um, that, that the, the crux issue that we are, are, are really, I think, dealing with, with our kids is just a, a profound loss of a sense of safety. And, and that, um, that, that they know on some level, um, even an unconscious level, I think it, at, 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 with one of our kids in particular, that, um, that, that they're tied to this and they, they're like, they're part of this conflict somehow because of their, their heritage. And, and it, it very quickly begins to become a question of, am I safe? Am, am I okay? And, and I think you, you know, you, you also said the, the issue that in, I mean, the predominant narrative in the media right now is um, the question of the nuclear option and, and the question of, you know, nuclear war and, and, and what, you know, a world war three would look like. And in the, in the sensationalism of journalists trying to one up each other to, to, to be the one who people are paying attention to. And ultimately, you know, we just have to call that for what it is to, to increase their advertising revenue. Um, there's, there's a sense in which that if you can tell the most extreme story and you can get more people to watch, then, you know, you've achieved, uh, you've achieved your objective and that's not healthy. That's not healthy for us. And it's not healthy for our kids. And, um, and, and so, you know, just realizing, I think that we're, we're in the middle of a world that the entire narrative slants against our, our kids feeling safe has, like it's just been incredibly, incredibly challenging. And, and I think the, the one thing that we've prioritized in our home and with varying degrees of success, I'll, I'll add as well. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to give the illusion here that things are rosy at the Morton house right now. Cause they're not like, there's like, it's, it's kind of tense at times and it's kind of difficult. Um, but I think the thing that Denise and I have really felt compelled to do is to press in and try to do those things that we can do to, to create a sense of felt safety with our kids. 
And so I can't stop the war in Ukraine, but I can hug my child. I can't, you know, I can't make Vladimir Putin make different decisions, um, but I can maintain good eye contact and, you know, and, and have a calm voice and a calm demeanor as we, you know, deal with these things. And, and I think the, you know, I, I can model for my kids and, and, and engage with them in, in praying for the people and in, you know, in, in doing things we can as a family find ways to, you know, to give and to support the, the ministry efforts that are going on. And so I think in a lot of ways, we've, we've just kind of really, you know, felt like that, um, that, that we, we just, you know, God's given us the ability to control a little bit of what we can control. And that mostly has to do with us. And it really doesn't have a whole lot to do, you know, with the war or the the conflict. I think, I think the other thing, and I, like, I, I'm, I'm sure in, in, in you guys are, I know you and Ashley are a lot the, the same as we are in this, that, um, like trying to find the balance of helping our kids to know, to be aware of things that are going on in the world and to not, um, to not be disconnected, but not to be so connected that, um, that they're overwhelmed by the things that are happening. And, and so I, you know, I I think finding those, those ways to be engaged purposefully, but not to, not to allow media and not to allow the things that are being reported to become, you know, as the, the saying always uses bubble gum for the brain, right? Like that, that's not the stuff that we're just sitting around idle chewing on all the time. Um, because 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can see the horrors of war right up front. And, um, and I think frankly, I, you know, man, I'll just, I'll say is, like I found myself doing that. It wasn't just my kids. It was me, Um, you know, and and you and I've talked and we've cried and we've prayed and we've, you know, we've, we've had, we've had our moments in in the middle of this. And I think one of those was one night when we were texting back and forth while watching all this stuff unfold on television and and just kind of having, you know, a a little bit of a, just an emotional come apart. (laughs) You know, I did. And in the, in the depth of what I was watching. And, and so, um, and I think we're drawn to it because we care, Mm -hmm. but, um, but we've got to realize that we, you know, we have to, we have to seek seek balance in that. Um, Like what, like, what are you guys doing to, to put this out in front of your kids in a way to, keep them connected because they have relationships with lots of people that are deeply affected. And, and I mean, their lives have been, um, you know, have been a story of being connected to a lot of people that are, you know, smack dab in the middle of this crisis. And so they're, they're obviously concerned and personally invested. Yeah. I think think the word that you said that is, is, is ruminating in my head is, is the word balance. And it's knowing when to turn it off, um, but also knowing that we've got to keep them engaged because this is real life um, and, and, and really helping them with the tools to be able to manage what they see 
And so having a lot of talks um, about what are the fears that you have? What are the, the disappointments? Um, you know, one night at, at dinner and, you know, <laughs> unwittingly, I started a trend when Caleb turned 12. <clears throat> it turned out that there was a trip to Uganda that we really needed some young people to go on. And he mm -hmm. was able to go because it was over the summer. And so that started a tradition in our home that, okay, when we're 12, we get to go on an international trip with dad. And Adeline, uh, our, our middle, when she was 12, she said, I want to go to Uganda too. And it all turned out really well that, that there was some, it's important time for me to go. And uh, Pastor Raphael has four girls. And so she was able to go and, and really even love on them and care for them. And Emily, you know, so for years, Emily's been talking about where she wants to go and has always said she wants to go to Ukraine. Well, mm -hmm. I wasn't even thinking about that. And Emily turned 12 in January. And so February 24th, we start to see the, the attack on Ukraine unfolding. And one night at dinner, Emily just starts crying. And, um, you know, so many things that could be going on in her little mind. And so we start digging out and she says, well, I'll never go on a 12 year old trip with dad and I'll never be able to go to Ukraine now. Uh, mm. And, 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 you know, again, here's a, here's a 12 year old little girl. She's never been, she's known all the people that we've known. She's prayed for this country. She's, she's known that, that dad has been there so many times, but uh, because of the people she's met, that's where she wanted to go. She wanted to go to Ukraine uh, because of the kids that she's seen hosted. Um, you know, it in a in a very innocent way, right? My kids have an infatuation with Dr. Rick's boys, and uh, so for Emily, knowing that Eric and Nicholas grew up in Ukraine or were born in Ukraine, like that's even been something for her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and we've talked about she's intrigued by Nicholas, so she's just like, oh, he 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 was born there, and I want to go there. So, but that lost a loss of a dream for her, a loss of a of something for her. So it, 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 it caused us to have to just sit there and listen and, and help her process through her emotions. And, you know, I, I think sometimes as parents, we want to sugarcoat things and be like, Oh, well, it's okay, babe. I'm sure it's going to happen. Maybe just not this year, but to really say, you know, it, it might not happen that we get to go to Ukraine. Um, but I'm grateful that you're so passionate. How can we channel that passion uh, to help others? How can we channel that passion to really pray because for us, and, and again, you know, in, in, in language of a 12-year-old, but say, you know, for us, we're, we're grieving the loss of being able to go. We're grieving the loss of being able to go do ministry on the ground together. You know, but there are people that are losing their homes. There are people that are losing their lives. There are people that are losing their livelihood. So let's, let's channel this grief that we have that's real. Um, and we need to understand it's real. But how, how can we channel that into praying for others and helping others and caring for others? And, um, you know, what's what's neat is Sasha, who uh, works in our Eastern European program, you know, his family is, is he's in Poland, but he's still very much his family is in Ukraine. You know, Emily started messaging him and saying, how can I pray for your parents? How can I pray for your family that's in Ukraine? Are there things that our family can do? Um, and so, I mean, just even one of the simple things is our kids decided they wanted to collect money to send gas money to Sasha as he's been running back and forth to the Ukrainian border, uh, helping, uh, helping people be able to, 
to get to get, get safety and to, to get a shelter over their head. So, you know, I, I, again, I, we talk about it. I mean, we want to validate the emotion that's there. I think sometimes we can turn validation into uh, sitting in that emotion or, or feeling that that emotion is true reality, but validating that emotion, but then helping our kids see the reality of other people's emotions, other people's hurts and other people's pain and helping them use that, that disappointment and hurt and pain that they have to how can we help others? What can we do? How can we pray for, for others? You know, and, and I think for all of our kids, it's, it's also, again, going back to that word balance, it's knowing when to turn the TV off and saying, okay, we, we, we've, we've consumed enough news. Um, You know, and if you've, if you've consumed news, you know, pretty much it's just recycled every 30 minutes. So, Hey, we we've consumed enough news. We're not going to learn anything new um, by just sitting here and watching it, but also helping our kids clear their, their mind of it. So uh, I think it's just that tension between keeping them in reality without sugarcoating reality, Mm -hmm. but also letting them have that relief of knowing, Hey, there's other things that are important in life. There's other things that are going on. There's other things that we can do and there's other things we need to be doing. And so just that tension and that balance between helping them stay aware, but also uh, helping them be able to just be a child, be a, be a teenager, be, be a kid and, and understand kind of the other things that are going on. Uh, And I know for us too, and it just so happens, right, that uh, our two daughters are studying American history. And so part of American history is the, the, the bombing of, of Japan with nuclear bombs. And it just so happens that they are in that time period in American history of World War II. And um, December 7th, 1941, the day that we live in infamy in Pearl Harbor and then the unfolding of World War II. And so when they hear World War III being said on the media, um, being echoed nuclear and, and they see what happened in Japan. There are questions that are asked. Um, there are things that they, they ask. And then I think as you and I have talked about, but our kids are different. So Caleb is much more of an external processor. He's going to ask those questions out loud. Um, Adeline is much more of an internal processor. So it's sometimes having to go, Hey, what are you, what are you thinking about? What, um, we know you're studying. I mean, and I think sometimes we just want to kind of avoid things our kids don't say. So, hey, when you know, well, she's studying World War II, but maybe she hasn't made that correlation yet. So instead, it's, hey, I know you're studying World War II. There's a lot of talk about World War III. I know you've been talking about, you know, nuclear bombs in class. What do you, what are you thinking? Like, you know, is there a fear that you have? Like digging out those emotions. I think we're so fearful of planting emotion or planting a thought in our mm-hmm. kids' heads they're not having. Um, but I think that's, and, and you and I both have talked about this with, with student ministry and children's ministry. I don't think we give our kids and our, and our, our young people enough credit. Uh, sure. They're thinking a lot more uh, and they're capable of processing a lot more than sometimes we give them. Yeah. You know, I think a couple of things that you said, one, um, like, I don't think we think of this in in these terms, but, um, you know, coming from an education background, we, you know, we say very flippantly that, you know, people remember 10% of what you say, 20% of what you, of what you show them and what they see, but they, but they remember 50% of what they see and hear 
and 80% of what they see and hear and experience some way. And, and so like it just your, the comment that you made about the news cycles and the way this stuff is repeated over and over and over again, um, like we kind of have to be wise consumers and realize that that's a, that's a marketing strategy, right? Like that's a, but in, in the, in the end game of all of that in media is, is to get attention in order to, in order to, to make money because you, you know, because you have people's attention and advertisers will pay you. And, and so, but I think what we, what we have to realize is we have a really powerful teaching tool that when we just kind of let it loop on, endlessly it's it's not passive like it's it's it is repeating and it is teaching and it is driving you know messages deep and so being proactive about um like we don't want to go stick our heads in the sand and we don't want to be unaware of these things and um and 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 as and as believers we need to be engaged because of how you know how that informs um how we how we pray and how we serve and what we do and um i I think the other thing that has been a little bit um interesting and i don't know that i would have necessarily like i wouldn't have said this in the beginning um especially with our adult daughter and i don't think she would mind me sharing this um but but there's been a very tangible lean in from her to say like I really want to do some things to help, and and part of what that what that's been motivated motivated by, is um, she's seeing kids that are not unlike her, that have had to pick up and move out of routine and you know reasonable safety and security, and so she's actually been actively, you know, contributing herself, but also raising money for uh for an orphanage full of kids from kiev that have been relocated to germany and so you know she's kind of said like i can i can use my voice to do this and i understand what it's like to to be uprooted and 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 to leave and to have to go somewhere else um like it and it's different but but there's there's definitely an identification there and so um just incredibly proud of that as well. And I think, I think one of the things that, that we don't want to miss in this as much as we're trying to, you know, guard and be attentive to our kids and, and to, you know, help them process as well. And at times to sort of, you know, shield them. It's also to affirm when we see, like when we see Jesus in, in the things that they do, when, when they're, when they're loving people well and when they're responding well and those sorts of things to, you know, to come alongside and, and to, you know, affirm that in them. Um, I, th- I think another, and this is going to be a, this is going to be kind of a tough thing. And, and so, and I, so if you, if you hear what I'm about to say and, and you have a visceral reaction, um, just send an email to Herbie Newell, in um, care of Lifeline. No, I, I think, you know, one of the things we've really just tried to, to focus on is to say to our kids very regularly that um, the end of this war is not the hope for Ukraine. And as, and as much as we're desperately begging the Lord to, to stop the insanity and, and to stop, you know, what, what's being done to, 
to kill and maim and harm people and and to terrorize a country. Um, the end of that conflict is not the hope for the people in Ukraine. And 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 so to try to maintain the perspective in our family that we are on a regular basis praying for the gospel to go forth, praying for the church to lean in, praying for opportunities for people to, you know, to find the Lord. And uh, gosh, you know, I'm a crybaby, so I'm going to cry. Uh, but a but a very tangible reminder of of that is. Um, I'm actually going today to the funeral of a dear friend's father. Um, and he's a man that I've, that we've prayed for, for 25 years and saw him in the last six months of his life, um, confess Christ and begin to walk with the Lord and, and saw God do something in him that we, that we begged God to do for 25 years. And so to associate those kind of things and to say, um, to our kids, like sharing that and connecting the dots and those kind of experiences and saying, you know, that same God is, is watching over the people of Ukraine and, and he, and, and, and desperately, um, we want for there to be peace and we want for them to not hurt and to not die and to not be frightened and all those kinds of things. Um, but, but knowing that he loves them more desperately than we do. And, and that, and that ultimately, um, their eternity with him is, is the most important thing. Um, and, and so, so some of our, you know, some of our prayer time and some of our prayer life has been around, like God use the church in the middle of really bad things, use the church and, and help people to see their need for Jesus in the middle of of, of really awful things. And, and though, and though we wouldn't choose it and though we would, you know, we, we want it to stop. Um, God, we know that you're big enough to use it and you're big enough to use it for your glory and, and for the good of people that you created. And, and so, um, so I think there, you know, there has been that aspect of even a bit of a renewed focus and a bit of a renewed emphasis on, um, on, on, on praying for the Lord to accomplish those things that we've been invested in personally as a family for a long time to see, um, to see more people walk with Jesus in, in Ukraine. And I, and I think I, I would, um, and, you know, very confidently we can say that God, God didn't like, God didn't start this war. It's not, he, you know, it's not a, this is not a sovereign act of the Lord in order to, you know, to orchestrate or manipulate something in history, but God can even use things that are unspeakably bad and unspeakably tragic in order to, you know, bring people to himself. And, and so, um, I think actively, you know, actively praying in that way. Um, and, and then, you know, as, as I said, for our kids that don't have the ability to be able to, kind of think through and make plans and proactive decisions about how to help, um, like giving them some outlets. So, so they, you know, so they really feel like they're doing things to, you know, help and contribute into, into under, you know, undergird that work is, you know, is, is really important. 
Um, but I kind of, you know, Herbie, I, I just loop back around to say that, that I, I think the, we, we need to control the things we can control as well. And, and the things that God's given us to, to know that we can do. And, and one of the things that we can do is to be hyper vigilant about um, loving on and, and creating a sense of felt safety and creating a sense of security, you know, for our kids in the places that, you know, that we are. And so being extra, especially at a time when you know, maybe we don't feel like it all the time <laughs> and where we're struggling ourselves because, you know, because we're feeling a little pressed or a little out of control or, or whatever. And it's easy to be, it's easy to be short and it's easy to be dismissive and it's easy to be, you know, because kind of like, honestly, honestly, like the last thing I want to look at or the last thing I want to, I want to talk about when I get home is this because we're spending a lot of time looking at it and talking about it every day, you know, from a, a ministry perspective, but knowing that, um, like knowing that our, our kids need us to lean in and to just kind of do more to make sure that, that they know that, you know, that, that they're, they're safe and that, and to affirm to them that their ultimate safety is found in Jesus. Like we don't have to worry because, because we, you know, because, because we, we are with Christ and he, and he is with us. Amen. Well, I know that those are such important things is what kids really want is the feeling of security. Um, and the the community of knowing that they're they're in this with someone else um and i think if we can provide that for our kids it helps them to really be able to to navigate that i, I kind of want to end on an, one more note just because i think you know um you you have some perspective and and certainly not asking you to divulge any sensitive information about any of your kids but <clears throat> i know in 2014 when Russia invaded first the the Donbass region in Crimea that it did impact um, several of your children because they had friends and, and close relationships with with people that um, were in those regions. I know that even they've walked out and seen the effects of Russia taking over those areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of times our kids that we bring into our home through adoption, and even if they're not adopted uh, from Ukraine, but they look at these images and they're seeing orphanages misplaced. Uh, they're seeing children that are, are in harm's way. It is a natural response for them to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we walk with our kids, especially those who've come home through adoption, with those feelings of guilt or even those feelings of going, I want to return because I want to, I want to, I want to help. I want to make a difference. How do we help them channel those feelings and those emotions? Yeah. I, man, I wish I knew on some level, I'm just going to be honest and say that I think that that is a, that is a difficult thing and it continues to be a difficult thing. Survivor guilt is real. And, and, and I think there is a, there's a sense in which, um, first of all, and I don't want to say this in a trite way, 
Like, I think we need to help our kids process that through a gospel lens and, and to say that like you, you were, you were never outside of the, the reach of God in difficult circumstances. And you're not outside of the reach of God in, you know, in, in more comfortable circumstances now. Um, I, I think it's really hard to make sense of that. Um, I think we, you know, you, you talked about the, the stuff that happened in 2014 and part of the realization of the complexity of how this is affecting our home is we like, we've seen this movie already. <laughs> we've seen this play out. We've kind of lived it. And, and so we know the consequences for the, the people on the ground and, um, and our kids are aware of people and stories and how those things have turned out and played out. And, and it's not particularly good. And, and so there's a sense in which um, just being blunt that the, the, the even even absent of the horror of war, the 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 possibility of, of Russian occupation or is is not a like our kids recognize that is not a good thing mm-hmm. because of what they've seen. And so um, that's part of the difficulty, I think, in the middle of all this. But but what. But they also have seen that, um, like the church remains strong, and that God continues to work through His people, and and the people that they know that are, you know, that are in Crimea that weren't able to leave are still, um, you know, they're still faithfully, you know, moving on in the midst of a, a, a different situation, and and so it's it's you know that that has that has changed things. I think some as well. I think again. Our, our kids are really able to put themselves in the place of understanding the plight of kids that are in the middle of this, because, because on some level they know what it means to, to be displaced, even for a good thing. They, they know what it is to, you know, to, to be in that circumstance. And so that's, you know, desperately why they want to see an end to this and, and and why they and they and, and why they want to help and why they want to support. Um, but I think I think always, um, and I don't, you know this is not a cop out. I think what we continually want to point our kids back to is the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. and and to acknowledge that you are where you are, um, in in the presence of God and and with the fullness of Him, and so that means if you're suffering you're in the presence of God and, and with the fullness of him. And if you're in incredibly comfortable circumstances, um, you're in the presence of God and in the fullness of him. And, and you need him as desperately then as you do in the place where you, where you realize that you're, you know, you're challenged and in, in you're suffering. And, and so trying to sort of break the illusion a little bit of the fact that, you know, living in a time of plenty, is easy and living in a time of want is hard, but just really saying, look, like, like we, we, we need the Lord in, in, in both of those circumstances in equal measure. And, and so that's who we're putting our trust in, not in a president, not in a country, not in an ethnic identity, not in anything else, you know, other than Jesus. Um, And we just acknowledge a lot that our feelings don't, don't always mirror that. 
<laughs> like, like we, we're going to tell it to each other and we're going to say it's true, even on the days where we don't feel it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of creating felt safety. It, it's acknowledging and saying like it in the middle of the stuff, like I, I don't, I don't feel, I don't really feel like this is true today, but I, but I know it's true and I'm going to claim it. And, um, and, and I, and I think ultimately we can say that we can testify that we've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord meet us in that and, and bring peace in, in situations. And we can look back to 2014 and, and that, and, and see that the Lord, you know, created, um, and, and made a way. So, um, yeah, that's about all I got, man. That, that is a, um, and that's a very real and present and ongoing struggle. I like, that's not one of those things that I think we solve and, and put to bed. It, it kind of creeps back in and, and it's sort of like, why, why am I here? And why are they there is, is always a challenging thought. Well, so much to think about and so much to talk about. And, and certainly we could go on even longer, uh, mostly on the things we don't know, but the struggles <laughs> that we have. Uh, but certainly we're, we're grateful. We know that uh, Dr. Rick is not only venerable and a big shot, but he's also renowned throughout Ukraine. One of my favorite moments of seeing Dr. Rick's, I guess we'd say big shottedness, uh, was in Chernitsky, Ukraine, in a random apartment. Uh, we were actually with a with a pastor who was helping kids who were aging out of the internat, the orphanages there in Ukraine. And we're sitting in this nondescript apartment in Chernitsky, kind of dark and dingy a little bit, and sitting on this, this small couch, Dr. Rick and I are, and this young lady comes in, one of those uh, children that had aged out and was now living in this home, and her eyes got as big as saucers when she saw Dr. Rick. And at first, we just thought she was shocked that there were people in you know, her home there. And uh, in her in very, very broken English, she looks at Dr. Rick and goes, Dr. Rick. And the next thing we know, she had pulled out her Russian copy of Orphanology and was having Dr. Rick sign the his book, Orphanology, which had been translated into Russian, right there in a nondescript apartment in Chernitsky, Ukraine. And so, bro, we, uh, we know that there's so much more for you to add to this dialogue because not there, only do you have- That story is for the most part true. It, there, there, may be, there may be a few things that have been uh, embellished for, uh, for, for over time, but- Her uh, eyes might not have gotten that big, <laughs> but she definitely was starstruck. Uh, but we know- we know not only uh, do you love Ukraine and the people there, but the people love you. And so um, thank you so much for the insight that you've been able to bring one to this podcast to help folks as we look at what's going on and unfolding in Ukraine, but also for, for what you've added as you've added your voice nationwide on many other media outlets. So thanks for joining us for the Defender Podcast. As always, please be praying for orphans around the world and especially those in Ukraine. If you want to get more engaged with what Lifeline is doing in Ukraine, you can actually just go to our homepage, lifelinechild.org, and uh, scroll down and you will see information on how you can get engaged uh, with some of the things that are happening in Ukraine. Until later, Dr. Rick and I will see you again next week.
Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. Oh,